Hi, it's Kayla with the nursing, what is it called? The Confused Nursing Student Podcast. And uh, I'm going to go over my notes uh, for osteoporosis today. I took these notes last week, um, so now I'm finally going over them. Uh, And I will have a separate episode on osteomyelitis because I kind of like to keep these episodes short. Um, so I'll have osteomyelitis and then something on, um, bone cancer. Yes, bone cancer later on. Okay, so let's get started. Um, wait, before I get started, disclaimer, again, these are my notes. They're not perfect. You're not going to learn everything you need in here, but I hope you do pick up a couple bits of information. Um, and these are based on reading. They're not based on my lectures or anything, and I try to take clear notes as best as I can. So um, now let's get started. So osteoporosis, pathophysiology. Osteoporosis is a chronic disease of cellular regulation where bone loss causes decreased bone density and may lead to a fracture. Osteoporosis is silent and can only really be noticed after a fracture which can happen in any type of bone. So who is at risk? There are Euro-American post-menopausal women. Uh, it's increased risk of 50%. And women with hip fracture have, have a four times increased risk. The mortality rate is high. Um, it's more prevalent in less affluent countries where there may be malnutrition. And then osteomalacia is loss of bone related to lack of vitamin D, and it leads to bone softening, and bone building is disrupted because of decreased vitamin D. So that was a little tidbit on uh, osteomalacia. In osteoporosis, the primary etiology is decreased estrogen, decreased testosterone, and decreased calcium. So bone always goes through changes called bone remodeling. And when does osteoporosis and osteopenia happen? So when osteoclastic activity, so osteoclasts like to eat up the bone, or it's called bone resorption, not reabsorption, resorption. And um, so these osteoclasts are eating at the bone to promote calcium levels in the blood and whatever else it's doing. And that activity is greater than the osteoblastic activity. And osteoblasts, uh, I think of as building. So B is for building. And um, those will help build the bone back up. So it'll take calcium and start, you know, building those bones. And when the osteoclastic activity is greater, then the bone density will get decreased. So, and that kind of makes sense. Like if you have your osteoclast and your osteoblast working equally, your bones will generally stay the same. And then if your blasts are working more than your osteoclast, then your bones start kind of <clears throat> remineralizing and can cause like like actual bone deformities, I believe, um, if it's like excessive. But anyways, let's get back on track. So bone density gets lower when estrogen also gets lower. So that's why it happens in postmenopausal women. Um, estrogen helps to prevent bone loss. 
uh, trabecular or spon spongy bone uh, is lost first, and then cortical or, or compact bone is lost afterwards. So we check bone loss based on the T-score, which is normal at a zero. Osteopenia would be characterized at negative 1 to negative uh, 2.5. And osteoporosis T-score would be lower than a negative 2.5. So that would be like negative 2.7 or negative 2.8 in case you get confused by like you know, lower than or higher than or whatever. Anyways, osteoporosis, lower than negative 2.5. Severe osteoporosis would have the osteoporosis T-score, so the lower than negative 2.5, uh, and a fracture. So they'd already have to have a fracture. There is general osteoporosis and regional osteoporosis. Generalized um, includes many structures. Um, generalized can be primary or secondary. So we're going to get into one of those hierarchies here. So generalized osteoporosis goes to primary or secondary. So primary is more common. It happens to postmenopausal women and men in their 80s, 70s to 80s. Testosterone helps to build bone, so testosterone gets lower as men age, and also men do not absorb calcium that well as they get older. So the secondary one, the secondary generalized osteoporosis, is, a, is caused by a medical condition like hyperparathyroidism or long-term drugs like corticosteroids or prolonged immobility, like spinal cord injury. And let's list all the ways that secondary osteoporosis can be caused. So there's DM, diabetes mellitus, Cushing's, uh, metabolic acidosis, cirrhosis, cancer, HIV and AIDS. There's also ethanol, cytotoxic agents, immunosuppressants, and aluminum-based antacids. Regional osteoporosis, so that's, you know, there's the generalized and primary secondary, so now there's regional. So regional osteoporosis, the limb is immobilized. Uh, immobility is longer than 8 to 12 weeks. And this can happen in astronauts because they are in a gravity-free environment. And I think they have to do a lot of like vigorous exercise training. So maybe to build up their bone mass or their bone density. And then that way they can go off into space and fly around and do science. So um, in general, osteoporosis can be genetic based on lifestyle and environmental factors. Genetically, it looks like there is an inheritability rate of 50 to 90%. Vitamin D receptors and calcitonin receptor genetic changes can happen as well if there are changes in RANKL, so rank rankle, or RANK, uh, rank, or uh, OPG, so all genes or gene receptors. So all these are genes or gene receptors. 
then there might be increased osteoclast activity. <clears throat> and again, osteoclasts break down bone. Okay. So nutrition stuff with osteoporosis. Caffeine intake. Um, it causes increased calcium loss in urine. Intake is low in calcium and vitamin D. And that will cause more PTH to be secreted. And this promotes bone resorption. If there is malabsorption in the small intestine, then calcium is not absorbed. People not receiving sunlight also do not get vitamin D. If phosphorus is high, then calcium is low. In carbonated beverages also, it, those increase bone loss. And I was wondering why, but I guess it's because the phosphoric acid that is in some carbonated beverages um, it, it increases phosphorus, so then it reduces calcium. I have to look more into it, but that's just the... These are just the bare bones here, guys. So, Okay, protein is needed to absorb calcium, but too much protein may cause calcium loss. Excessive alcohol and tobacco also increase osteoporosis risk, and these cause acidosis, so it in therefore increases bone loss. So health promotion and maintenance. So we get our peak bone mass at about 30 years old. We build strong bone early. We need to. Women start losing bone at about 30 years old. So we need to try to uh, decrease our modifiable risk factors like promoting a good diet, reading food labels, uh, dairy products, and dark greens because calcium is in dark greens. That's crazy. And maybe uh, vitamin D supplements would be needed. Like The book says that you need to be outside for 5 minutes a day, but I've heard also that it's 20 minutes a day. So I, I'm not sure, but according to the book, five minutes. So if you can't be outside for five minutes a day in sunlight, even if you're in a really foggy area like I'm in, then you might need a vitamin D supplement, but I'm not sure. Talk to your doctor. Uh, it's important to stop smoking. Uh, pro promote weight loss if necessary and to decrease alcohol intake and decrease carbonated beverages. We need to exercise, and the exercise you would do is weight-bearing exercise and walking. Because promoting uh, weight-bearing will help promote your bones to get stronger and things like that. So, um, assessment. So, we need to do a complete health assessment and increase... No, not increase. Why did I put that? Okay, decrease the risk of fracture and falls. We don't want to increase that. Um, physical assessment, signs, and symptoms. We need to check the spine. Uh, there's something called dowager's hump or kyphosis that you might see. A patient might say they are shorter, so maybe they lost uh, two or three inches. Um, back pain, especially after lifting, bending, or stooping. The patient may have back pain with tenderness. Maybe uh, have a compression fracture. A uh, patient might have constipation, reflux esophagitis, and abdominal distension if their movement uh, issues, if there are movement issues or a spinal deformity. 
and we ask patient where the areas of pain are located, of course. Psychosocial stuff um, would be the concept of body image. Uh, for women, there's probably a lot of psychosocial things like menopause. You know, they're going through menopause and they're going through all this stuff already. And then on top of that, they can get conditions because of that. So there's that. Getting older is a stressor. Um, social interaction might change for people, men and women. They're, uh, how they look because they have osteoporosis, if it's so severe, um, that might cause some issues. There would, might, or would slash might be changes in sexuality and intercourse. And we also need to check how the patient feels. Lab stuff. So lab assessment. We are going to check calcium and vitamin D levels at least once per year when the patient is over 50 years old. Quick, what's the normal calcium range? It's 9 to 10.5, so I hope you got it. I'm gonna, I might throw these out. I don't know if this is weird. But yeah, so the normal calcium range would be 9 to 10.5. And what's the normal vitamin D level? So that's 25 NG to 80 NG per milliliter, or it's 75 to 200 nanomol per liter. Other stuff we might check would be bone turnover markers like osteocalcin or tartarate, resistant acid phosphatase. Okay, so those are some bone markers that we can check when if we're trying to rule out some osteoporosis. Imaging stuff. So imaging, uh, we would do chest. No, we can do an x-ray. So x-ray can show decreased bone density if it's extensive. And dual x-ray absorb... Oh, I can never say it. Absorptiometry. Dual x-ray absorptiometry is a DEXA. We always say DEXA at work, and I never never read it like this. Okay, so the spine and hips would usually be checked for a DEXA scan. Women in their 40s should have a baseline screen first, and it uses less radiation than a chest x-ray. It's not safe, though, to have scans regularly, so it's usually done every two years. DEXA does not account for really tall or obese people, and I'm not sure why. That's just what the book said. And we need to remove any metallic objects. And there's no real follow-up care, but there is a discussion on the results with the PCP. So I see that a lot at work with patients that are over 40, 50, and they get their annual or biannual, I don't know, every two-year DEXA scan. And then the doctor will just call with the results, say, hey, like your bone density went down and this is what we're going to do with your vitamin D supplement or your calcium supplement. So that happens quite a bit. Um, and some patients go on medications like Prolia that I will mention a little tad bit later. So anyways, back to DEXA. Um, actually, no, I'm done with DEXA. Let's go to CT. So there's CT-based absorptiometry. It measures the volume of bone density and strength of vertebral spine and hip. 
It can be done in the, the arms and legs as well and can help with bone structure and architecture, and, but it does have more radiation. Vertebral imaging, so that's a spine x-ray. This can be uh, included in part of the DEXA scan. When do we do this? So that would be for women over 70, men over 80, with a T-score of 1.0. I believe that would be a negative 1.0. Not 1.0. Um, yeah. And then women 65 to 69 and men 70 to 79 with a BMD bone mineral density that is less than 1.5. Okay. MRIs are great. There are, there's no radiation. The, it views bones differently than other imaging um, procedures. It can determine osteoporosis, perfusion to the bone and bone marrow. Uh, so perfusion is less in osteoporotic bone. And bone marrow and adipose tissue is increased in osteoporotic bone. And lastly, there is the MRS. So that stands for Magnetic Resonance Spectro... Spect I literally stopped this just so I can read it better. Okay, spectroscopy. And it's a more advanced. It helps quantifying bone marrow and adipose tissue. But it's not widely used because, of course, insurance coverage. So insurance won't cover it most of the time. Okay. Intervention time. It's intervention time. So we focus on nutrition, lifestyle, and drug therapy. And for nutrition, it's the same uh, as prevention. So you know how I mentioned the calcium and calcium-rich things and vitamin D and green leafy vegetables. So all of the same stuff for preventative is the same when you have osteoporosis. We also should do calcium and vitamin D supplements, avoid alcohol and caffeine. There is a huge emphasis on fruits and veggies. For lifestyle, again, it's kind of repetitive, so it'll be the exercise, the weight-bearing exercise, going for walks, maybe going on a weighted walk and having like things tied around your ankles. I don't know, but that, that stuff would help. Some patients might need physical therapy, uh, ROM exercises, so range of motion exercises, weight-bearing exercise, I just mentioned that, I wasn't reading, and uh, that's recommended for 30 minutes a day for three to five days a week, and you don't want to do exercise, exer <clears throat> okay. exercises that cause jarring like jogging and horseback riding. We avoid tobacco, no more than one alcoholic drink per day, and men, no more than two, and then also teach about fall risks and fall safety and things like that. Now the moment, maybe not, the moment we've all been waiting for is drugs, so drug therapy. So drugs should be used for postmenopausal women T-score for hip and lumbar below negative 2.5 without other risk factors. When they're age 50 and old, older, 
with past hip or vertebral fracture. They should also have drug therapy. Um, and the drug therapies include calcium, vitamin D, bisphosphonates, estrogen agonist antagonists, PTH, which is parathyroid hormone. There's rankle inhibitors, so R-A-N-K-L inhibitors. And calcitonin might be used as well. Estrogen is not the only medication because uh, estrogen can cause other health problems. Like it has uh, increased risk of like breast cancer or ovarian cancer if somebody keeps taking it. I believe I read that somewhere. Okay, so for the bisphosphonates, there is al alendronate, there, which is fox Fosamax. So alendronate is Fosamax. And ibandronate is Boniva. And risendronate is Actinel. And then there is Zoledronic Acid, which likes to destroy the pattern of good things like ending in dronates. So those are, you can make your own little um, acronyms or little like hints to help remember. In a study group that I was in last week, we like started noticing like, oh, Boniva, bones is bone related or risendronate because you want the bone density to rise. So cute little tips or hints to help learn about medications. Okay, so some nursing stuff for bisphosphonates. So you take it with an empty stomach with a full glass of water to prevent esophagitis or gitis, however you want to say it, esophageal ulcers or gastric ulcers. You can take 30 minutes before food, drink, and drugs for interaction purposes. You sit up for 30 minutes after taking the medication. Go to the dentist before taking because of the risk of osteochronosis. And uh, if sensitive to aspirin, do not give bis bisphosphonates because of bronchoconstriction. Okay, so that was the bisphosphonates. Calcium and activated vitamin D. You would give 1,000 milligram supplement of calcium daily at age 50 to 70 for women. And 1,200 milligram supplement of calcium daily for people over 71 years old. And you can take it in young adulthood to promote bone mass. And vitamin D is needed for calcium absorption, which would usually be prescribed at 800 to 1,000 units for 50 years old persons or older, or 4,000 units for severe bone loss. And I've seen people with a lot, a lot more than that. So I think it just kind of depends on what's going on. Uh, labs to measure serum and serum calcium and vitamin D are needed. Uh, bisphosphonates slow bone resorption by binding the crystal elements in the bone. It can be given orally, but ibandronate is given IV as well. You do need a DEXA after therapy, and if it's at baseline or improved, then the vitamin, no, 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 not vitamin D, bisphosphonates would be discontinued. So that's cool. Estrogen. So estrogen mimics estrogen in some places and it blocks it in others. Raloxifene or Evista uh, is the, treats 
the prevention of osteoporosis by increasing bone mineral density, but you don't give it to women who have a history of thromboembolism, okay? Another drug um, classified as an other is prolia, and it's a receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa B ligand inhibitor. So I just call it prolia, and I cannot remember that whole name. And it's for osteoporosis when other drugs do not work. And it helps decrease um, it helps in decreased bone density by increasing bone mass and strength. It's also given sub-Q twice a year. So this medication from uh, working at a doctor's office and dealing with it, it's very annoying to try to get to a patient because it is considered a specialized medication. So in every single time we've had to get it to patients, we have to go through like an authorization and all that fun stuff and then try to get it to the patient by either getting it delivered to our office or getting it delivered to the patient and then figuring out who's going to administer it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. But it's we have a good amount of patients, like maybe four or five. It doesn't sound like a lot, but they're all on prolia. And when they don't get their prolia, they get really mad. Like, if because of all the insurance issues. So that's my little side note. Okay, another medication is teriparidine. And that's called Forleo as the brand name. It's an anabolic drug. So anabolic is building, like anabolic steroids. But it's a bone building drug. It's given sub-Q for two years only, and then bisphosphonates would be given. The last, nope, yeah, last one is salmon calcitonin. So women who are at least five years post-menopause would get it. And uh, it's given sub-Q or intranasal, but it can cause epistaxis and rhinitis. So epistaxis is a cool word for nose bleeding. So if you want to sound neat and like you know what you're talking about, say epistaxis. And rhinitis, so that is like nasal inflammation and things like that. Um, but let's see. Um, yeah, malignancies might be possible. Tested for allergies before beginning the drug because it is from or derived from salmon. Um, and if allergic response to salmon, do not use this drug. Okay, lastly, for osteoporosis, care coordination things. So... Sunlight promotion and medications. And is your home safe? Are you at a fall risk? Is your home a mess? Are you a hoarder? Do you have rugs on your floor? Like random things like that. Like they might benefit from a home assessment. So if you could get a home care nurse, I would think, to come to the house and do an assessment on the patient in the home, that would be sweet. Because some patients just think they're safe and they're they're not actually. Um then there's some resources, which would be the National, uh, yeah, National Osteoporosis Foundation in the United States and the Osteoporosis Society of Canada. Okay, so those are all my notes for osteoporosis. So we went over a little bit of the patho. We went over the medications <clears throat> and some diagnostic tests like labs and imaging. Um, and some nursing intervention stuff that we need to focus on when patients have uh, osteoporosis and the prevention of osteoporosis. So uh, I'm going to end here. Thank you for listening. I hope that you learned something today. Um, always read your book and do your own homework. Do not 
maybe do not reply completely on videos, but that would be me being a hypocrite. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed your study session for today. Thank you for listening and uh, have a wonderful day and we hope to see you or whatever next time. I'm not sure how to end this. <laughs>